Second down and five off the fake to Jamal Williams. Goff going deep, wide open, touchdown on his first NFL reception. The rookie out of Alabama, Jamison Williams. Welcome to Season 12, Episode 12 of the Sportscasters. My name is Steve Bennett. Got a great show for you today. Andrew Marchand from the New York Post will join us. Stuart Mandel from The Athletic will join us. Looks like we're going to get 13 episodes into Season 12, which isn't that bad considering there was basically eight months not available to me. Um, so in four months, you figure you want to do about eight shows if it's if the goal is to do two a month or every other week. So I did a little bit above that pace. I'm happy about that. Obviously, next year, I was thinking about this last night. Uh, next year will be the season 13, the 12th year of the show. Um, and hopefully it's one that's filled with health and happiness and new guests and old guests and all the great things. And hopefully we get to about 30 episodes, which is the goal every year. Uh, for the show, but we got a good one today. Andrew Marchand from the New York Post will join us. Uh, that interview was recorded on Thursday, so just before the quarterfinals of the World Cup had started. So when I say it lacked some of the drama of Russia, that was, of course, the World Cup, that is. That was, of course, before the uh, the great games that were played on Friday um, between Argentina and the Netherlands and also... Um, Croatia and Brazil. So keep that in mind. But we covered a lot of ground. We talked about the World Cup. We talked about sports media, of course, which was the main focus. I asked for his sports media man of the year. Uh, We talked about the booths. We talked about the Sunday ticket. All the great sports media stuff with Marshawn. Had some laughs with him. Always enjoy when Andrew's on the show. One of my favorite sports media guests, Richard Deitch, Andrew Marshawn are probably my top two. Um, also love Neil Best, which wish Jimmy Trina would come on more, although it's difficult to get in touch with him the last couple of years for whatever reason. Uh, but we'll look forward to that. We'll do that interview first. The second interview, which will be after the book club update, which is actually just going to be, I'm going to throw out some book suggestions for Christmas gifts. If you're looking for one, um, the, uh, the guest then will be Stuart Mandel from The Athletic, and we talked to him about This was recorded last Tuesday, so before the Heisman Trophy was given out. Uh, But the Heisman Trophy section isn't really ruined because he wouldn't give up his vote anyway, uh, which now you know was Caleb Williams. He voted for Caleb Williams first. um, And uh, he he can't say that, I guess, contractually or whatever beforehand. Uh, But we just talk about who we think should win, why I think we should win, things like that. But obviously it's announced now that Caleb Williams has won. Uh, we also talk with them about the college football playoff, the bowl games. We talk about expansion. We talk about the uh, transfer portal, all those kinds of things. Great interview with Stuart. Always love having him on uh, from The Athletic. And then we'll do one last thing, um, and uh, that will be the show for today. 
Uh, quickly, I want to go over a few things. First things first, as they say, the New Orleans Saints had one of the worst losses in the history of the franchise on Monday Night Football in front of the whole nation. They're leading the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 16-3 to with three minutes left, and they lost 17-16. to And I wish everyone who listens to the show, everyone who knows me, could have watched me watching the game because I never flinched. I knew... I knew the Saints were losing that game 17-16 to the second they kicked the field goal to go up 16-3. to I knew they hadn't done enough. I knew they would screw it up. I didn't know how they would screw it up, but I knew they would. And, of course, they did. Mark Ingram had out of bounds uh, too early, didn't secure a first down. You know, if we go through the whole game, just so many plays were missed. You know, so many mistakes. Dropped passes by... Jarvis Landry, that would have been a touchdown. I think Taysom Hill had one hit his face that should have been a touchdown. Not doing enough to win um, and and it being self-inflicted. So many self-inflicted wounds. It's been the story of the team all year. You know, I think I've said before, they have no feet left to blow off. And that was weeks ago. You know, weeks ago, they got to that point. And it just continues all season long. They asked... Dennis Allen about you know some one of the mistakes he's like that's something we got to clean up that's something he's been saying all season and it's mid-December now and the shame is is if they had won that game they'd probably be the favorites right now to win the division and make the playoffs and obviously now they have a one percent chance of that happening and of course usually when you have a season like this the good news is well you get a good pick in the draft but they've traded that first round pick they don't have that the bullet in their chamber they do have is Sean Payton. Now, there was a report this weekend, um, Jeff Duncan from the Times-Picayune made it that Sean Payton will come back to coaching next year, and his number one spot that it will likely be is the Saints. Now, I would take Sean Payton back in a second. I'd do a backflip down Walk, walk Road. You know, I'd go dance in my underwear at the rotary rink, anything you want. I'd love to have Sean Payton back. He's the greatest coach in team history. I totally underestimated the impact his absence would have on the team. I never would have guessed that Dennis Allen is as bad as he is. He is horrible, and this needs to be one and done for him. He's not an NFL head coach. He's a defensive coordinator. He has been awful. He has no balls. He has no sense of how to manage a game. The offense is a disaster under him. The defense is not as good with his attention split in other areas. It's been a total disaster. I saw an advanced metrics chart this week that rates when NFL teams should go for it on fourth down. How many times have they? And the Saints number is zero. They're dead last in the league. And that's also something that cost them in that Tampa Bay game. Settling for field goals. Fourth and one. Fourth and two. Kicking a 28-yard field goal. Kicking a 27-yard field goal. Now, I've said that I think NFL coaches have gone too far with this. Sometimes you got to take the points. And there's a balance, and it's one that we're never going to totally understand. We're always going to second guess. But what I've tried to pride myself on is first guessing and saying it right away, not second guessing, not basing my decision on results. And he's just been awful. He's been as bad as you can be. He's the worst coach the Saints have had since Mike Dicka, and he's probably much worse than Mike Dicka. Mike Dicka never had this level of talent on the team that Dennis Allen has. He's awful. He needs to be fired. He needs to be fired as soon as the season ends. And if Sean Payton doesn't want to come back, hopefully he wants to go to San Diego or to Arizona or somewhere that's willing to give up a first-round pick 
for him because that's the big bullet in the team's chamber, right? If they can get rid of Dennis Allen, if they can get another first-round pick, they can continue to draft at the way they have because they've drafted really good players. There's still a lot of talent on the team. Um, it's going to take a lot of work for Mickey Loomis, but I believe in him. Um, and look at if next year is an absolute bottom out, you know, if Kamara is suspended six games and they sort of rebuild the franchise, man, it'd be a good year to get that first overall pick with Caleb Williams uh, looming out in the distance out in California. So that are my thoughts on the Saints. The World Cup, like I said, I've been watching it um, and enjoying it, and it's soul-crushing nonetheless to not have Italy there, especially the way the tournament's played out. Uh, there's no great teams. Italy absolutely could have been a contender and would have had a chance to win it if they were there. They made the mistakes of missing the uh, the penalties against Switzerland. Uh, Jorginho didn't make those kicks. Make one of them, you're there. He didn't make either of them, and it's uh, it's a it's a wound that's been open and remains open. But man, I just can't wait in a lot of ways for the World Cup to end and be able to move on and focus on Euro 2024 and focus on all the great things that I believe are ahead for the national team. As for the World Cup, aside from that. It was a great day on Friday. Um, I do think there was too many nil-nil games in the tournament. Uh, but there's a great story in Morocco. There's a great story in Messi. You know, uh, England lost. So, uh, you know, there's it's been enjoyable. Uh, Brazil's not getting ahead of us any further in terms of championships. Uh, they lost. You know, Portugal lost. Uh, it's been really interesting to it's the world. The World Cup's awesome. It's always been awesome. It always will be, with Italy or without, and hopefully they can make it in 2026, where it will be in North America. And if they do, Paula and I will absolutely be at an Italy game. The Sabers continue to annoy me. Uh, Jeff Skinner on my hate list this week uh, cost the team a point against the Penguins by absolutely crushing a guy's face with a cross check, um, and uh, put the team shorthanded for an entire overtime. Pittsburgh immediately scored. And then they, they didn't win the next night in Pittsburgh. One out of four points uh, there. Um, they're just a team, obviously, that can be really exciting on nights like when Tage Thompson scores five goals. You know, but even then, and that's an interesting thing, even on a night where he gets five goals and he's one away from six for the entire third period, Granado doesn't let him play. Played, I think, two shifts in the third period. It's like, how often do you get that chance? Go for it, man. But they didn't. Because uh, they need him for all these huge hockey games that are coming up uh, for this team this season. Uh, it's going to be development again. They don't have any goaltending. They have a young team, youngest in the league. Um, so there's a bright future there. But they're annoying, and I'm sick of uh, sick of moral victories and uh, sick of making excuses for them. Uh, so that's that. I was thinking about this the other day. Is 2022 the worst year of my life as a sports fan? And the answer is probably. <laughs> I'd have to th really think about it. But it's definitely in the running. It's just an awful, awful year. So one thing that wasn't awful this year was my fantasy season. And nobody cares about your fantasy team. So I won't spend much time on that. Although I've never understand why other fantasy players don't care about your fantasy team. I care about other people's. Look, I, I'm interested in fantasy stories and bad beats and things like that. I don't know why the perception is, is that nobody cares. I think people who don't care about fantasy don't care. But I don't know if it's true beyond that. Maybe you can let me know at sports underscore casters if you care. Uh, but, yeah, the um, my teams did well. Uh, we'll see if it translates into any money. Um, got 
five teams in redraft leagues, four made the playoffs, one got a first round bye. I did two guillotine leagues, one is still in it, and uh, one was a top seven finisher. So good season for me there. All right, what we're going to do, we'll take a break, we'll come back, we'll talk to Andrew Marchand. Uh, then I'll be back for the book club real quick. I'm going to throw out four or five book suggestions. If you're looking for a sports book uh, for someone on your list, I'll give you a few suggestions there. And then we will uh, come back for one last thing. I want to talk to you about uh, Christmas traditions. My family um, has some good ones, has some that have gone away, and has some new ones uh, in the uh, Paula and Gregory and Willow era, my niece and nephew. Uh, so we'll talk about that for one last thing. Stuart Mandel as well. If I didn't say that, of course, he'll be on it as well. All right, let's take a break. We'll be right back with Andrew Marchand. Our first guest today is one of my favorites. He covers sports media for the New York Post. And he's also the host of an awesome sports media podcast, The Marchand and Oran Sports Media Podcast. He appeared on the show earlier this season with John Oran, his partner on the show to discuss that. And he's back today to talk sports media, the World Cup, and a bunch of other things. A warm sportscaster's welcome to my friend, Andrew Marchand. Hey, Andrew, what's up, man? How you doing this morning? I'm doing well. Uh, how are you? So we're down to eight teams in the World Cup who, as Andrew Marchand, the soccer fan, uh, now that you've seen, I've assumed at least a little bit of all the teams. Who do you like? Who do you like? You know, yeah. I've been watching every. Uh, oh yeah, second. yeah. Uh, I think. Who do I like? Who do I want to win? Or well, no, I no. I mean, who do you think is going to win? I guess, or who do you want, or both? Whatever you want to, whatever you want to do. I mean, I'd like to see Messi win. Yeah, I, I just. I think everyone would. would. Like to see that. Yeah, I'd like everyone to who see doesn't that. have a reason to root for everyone else, someone else. Yeah, I think like, look, like I'm French, that. so I like the, 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 you know, I like the French. Sure. Um, they're very good. I could, you know, they look like they might be the best team, and Brazil looks good. But uh, yeah, so if I were rooting interest, I'd like to see Messi win. Okay. Who and you... England, I I like England a little bit too, but I don't know, they're a little. You know, yeah, they're the they're youth to, soccer. We got a lot of yeah. people come over and coach youth soccer. Yeah. They're kind of arrogant about it, as if like they're so much better when we, you know, now played them in the World Cup a number of times and we they can't beat us. So it's kind of funny. Yeah, the uh, I wonder what the French team would be like if not for all the injuries they have. I mean, they had a ton of injuries late. You know, Benzema right off the top of the list. Uh, but they had a few others as well. I'd love to see what they would be like. I, I look at as a, a big USA hockey fan. I think of England as the can is England is to soccer as Canada is to hockey, right? I just feel like their fans feel that it's their birthright to be <laughs> the winners of this tournament or something. Yep. You know, and I never got as many unsolicited congratulations as I did when Italy beat them in the Euros from people I didn't know. Um, I just feel like people all around the world were just so happy for me, but it wasn't really for me. They were just so happy England didn't win. Uh, so I don't think I want them. I don't want Brazil to get another World Cup ahead of us, so I'm not rooting okay. for them. Um, who do I want to win? I guess I'm with you. I mean, certainly if if, if I could sign up right now to, to give it to, to Messi, I would for sure. Um, but is there another squad? Not really. Um I'm glad Germany didn't win. Um, I'm certain. Yep. I'm certainly glad. 
um, that Switzerland didn't win. Certainly glad. That, I mean, there's some teams that were never going to win. I'm glad didn't. But um, yeah, I would like the U.S. to go one more round. I'd like I would have. Yeah, Messi versus the U.S. That would have. Been that would have been fun, and this country would have been really into it. You know what I mean? Yeah, we would have been into it. Yep. Can we upset Messi? It's an uh, interesting spot for me with the U.S. because I have a team that isn't them that I care so much about. Yep. Um, because of how I was raised and, and, and because of my, my heritage and my culture, that the Italian team means so much to me that it makes it a little bit harder to have emotions, fan emotions for the U.S. Yep. But that doesn't mean I don't want them to absolutely win every game they're playing that isn't against Italy. I did. You know what I mean? I very much wanted them yep. to win. I just don't have the same. It's just not in my gut the same way. You know, it doesn't feel the same when they're playing in my heart and my gut as it does for them, which is weird because, like, again, if it was a hockey game, you know, a U.S. hockey game, it almost nothing means more to me than a U.S.-Canada hockey game. Um, so that's different. That's weird. But um, it's been, it's, it hasn't been the best World Cup. There's been too many nil-nils. I've been hearing a lot of people saying, like, this is such a great World Cup. I just remember Russia there being so many stoppage time goals, you know, so much late drama. I feel like this I World Cup has lacked uh, that a little bit. It, now, to be fair, the best games are sh- still to be played. Uh, but yeah. it just feels like, like Bell, there's I mean, been a Belgium, lot of nil-nil and not a ton of drama. I don't know. Maybe I'm missing well, it. You? Well, Belgium, Japan, to me, in, the, in Russia. Yeah, that was probably the best was, group that state. That was one of the great games. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Ever. I mean, the ending was unbelievable with the Lukaku dummy uh, at the end there. It, so... Yeah, I don't know if we, we haven't. I, I look, I love every moment of it. Um, so for me, yeah, the zero zero games, I, I could see people not really liking that, but you, you're into it. So you kind of get like, you know, you can have a good, you can have a zero zero game if there's a lot of chance. It's still not totally satisfying. Yeah, it doesn't mean it's a terrible game. No. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah no, it doesn't. Not out, not out of hand. So, you yeah, know? I think yeah. we've had some special moments. I found the U.S. very frustrating. I mean, I hope yeah. we're hoping not back. Uh, I think, I, I, I just would say this. Yeah, like, why did Renan not little... play like at all? Where was that? Yeah, well, dude? well that, there might be a story behind that. There's got to be, right? Yeah. He's just got to not I mean, be the fit. Games, yeah. Yeah, or the games, like the way they went. But still, I just think, like, I, I really think the way he coached the Iran game is, you know, you can't come back because the ball was literally behind our goalie. Now it stopped and it was not going. But that is how close we were. He'd already emptied the bench, basically parked the bus at the end there. Right. And so if we hadn't advanced, and I get it, we did. So it's like, all right, well, we did. He say, well, you know, but, but, dodged a but massive if we hadn't bullet. advanced, yep. it would have been because of the coach. Like, So I think you have to look at that and say, all right, is this the coach to get us to that next level? Do we need to play a little bit freer? We have, like, we have, like, I don't know, the ability to score and the, you know, and then secondly, goal that, you know, your goalie is. It's to be the most important, but the most important thing in, in international soccer is that ability in almost any level, quite honestly, is if you can have someone who can score or a team that knows how to score goals, uh, that's the difference. Uh, and I think we have the ability going forward. We just have to figure it out. And I just don't think I'm a big best 11 fan and mm-hmm. he didn't give us our best 11 very often, um, you know, until like the end uh, the other day. And so, yeah, that's my problem with him. You, you need to think about it as you're developing your team. All right, well, look, I got Aronson. I got Reyna. 
I got too many midfielders. Can I play way up top? Can you know what can I do to get the best eleven? Because I'd ask you this, and we can move on to media. But if you want, yeah, we will. But yeah, like, would would you uh, uh, if you're the opposition, would you rather play? Would you rather have Josh Sargent or any of those other guys they had up front? Who are I get it? They're true nines. Um, or would you rather have Reyna or Aronson in the final third? Who are the other team? Who yeah. Oh, I think the U.S. The did us a break. I'm saying they did us a break. They did us a favor, yeah. you know? It's like in, a, in an NFL game now when the team punts on fourth and one. You know, I stand up and say, oh, thank you, you know? like you, Exactly. Yeah. So it's like you'd rather have those guys. So that's my uh, – Yeah. You know what I was thinking? And, and also, can't you try to – against Iran, you try to score another – again, I'm not saying you have to play a little more defensive, but people are like, well, then, you know, then they have numbers. Yeah, I know, but then if they put numbers up, then we have numbers the other way. Right. You put another goal, then you put the game's done. Yep. There's, there's, there's ways to protect the lead. And it and felt too not, early that he parked the bus, too. It felt too, too you know? early, yeah. and we're the superior team. Why do we want to, you know, like, just, I don't know. It's, why why do we want to play that way? Uh, look at teams like that are when Argentina or these other teams that are up, and when they're, they're superior team. They don't just go back into a shell. I get it. It worked out. But it barely worked out. There were two close penalties. Sure, we easily could not have. You know, we could easily. They could have, have easily called a penalty on that one. I, yeah. I'm glad they didn't, but they could have. You know, um, and I don't think VAR would have bailed them out because I think it's one of those where it would have been the call that was made either way. Uh, I agree. But uh, one thing I was thinking about with managers and the starting lineups is, I don't know, like uh, Roberto Mancini, the the Italy uh, manager. I don't think he's ever put a starting 11 out that the fans have liked. And and I just wonder, like, at some point, yeah. I wonder, like, okay, he can't get it wrong every time, right? I mean, they did win the Euros with that. And, and during the Euros, people hated the lineup every time because Chiesa wasn't in enough and he's playing so well. And so I kind of got it, you know. And then when after the Euros, it's like he's playing the guys from the Euros too much. And I, and I kind of get it. And then... You know when it gets to the the Nations League or whatever, they don't like it because they're 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 not they're they're not playing a true nine or you know they're not getting this guy in or that guy in, and then it's happening with the U.S. and then I hear it with England and I just wonder like is that just a thing with with soccer fans? Do we just hate every lineup instinctively? Yeah, I look I, and I am not a big blame the coach, blame the manager type of person. I just think. But Most I do times. think you're right on this one. I do. I think yeah. I'm right on this one. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. I'm generally not a, because they did generally know more than we do about what the, you know, they just have information we don't have. They're generally smart about it. And the big thing for me is they get judged on their decisions. And when they don't do what we think they should do, we get to imagine what would have happened. And there's a big difference. So when they get judged on what actually happened, when it doesn't work out, it's like you see, it didn't work out. If they if they'd done what I said, they, it would have. So we don't. So they have they get actual. You get to see what the you know in the real world what happened. So uh, that's why I don't generally like to. I just didn't like that. But I think strategy wise, in terms of your overall view of how they went about things, um, you can make a pretty good argument. We should have won the group, and we almost didn't even make it out of the group. Right, and I think that the the, the what I've seen from England in that U.S. game has me really doubting them going forward um last thing and then we could move on to media but i knew we'd have fun talking about this to start uh argentina brazil uh semifinal is looming if both teams can win um mm. if england whoever wins the england france game either has the cinderella of the tournament waiting or the portugal team who 
has Ronaldo but doesn't and what's going on there. There's rumors he's going to leave, but then he said there's no way in hell that's people trying to divide us. All the Serie A fans are screaming for Rafael Leao to play more. Um, so they're an interesting team just because uh, talk about not being able to satisfy people with a lineup. I, I'm glad I'm not the Portugal manager. seems like he has a, a really tough task. But there's really some interesting potential matchups looming. And, of course, I think Fox and any person who owns rights to this World Cup, the dream matchup of Messi versus Ronaldo in the final is still alive, right? Oh, yeah, I mean, could you imagine? Let me ask you this. This can be the last soccer question. We'll move on to media. Okay. In terms of, and this is actually a sports media question, kind of. Put it into perspective. Is there a bigger, has there ever been a bigger final than that would be in any sport? I mean, that's Peyton Manning versus Tom Brady in a Super Bowl on drugs, right? I know they never played in a Super Bowl. Well, it depends. If, is Ronaldo going to start? Is he going to play? I mean, that's the only that's thing. That's true. That's true. It's not the last World Cup or the one before, right? But there would still, regardless, no, one this, of those two guys yeah. is going to win their first World Cup. And even if Ronaldo doesn't start, you got to figure he plays at some point, right? So I, I, yeah, don't, I, I don't know that it so, matters, maybe, but... Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that would be... Yeah, that would be the ultimate. That would be pretty amazing. Uh and, uh, yeah, that'd be good. I mean, you know, Argentina, Brazil, you know, here's the thing about it, especially for us who love soccer. It's, it's seeing those uniforms on the field together. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, of right. course, Brazil and Argentina play each other, but like in the world cup, it's just different. Right. Yeah. So that would just be special. Um, and yeah, Messi, you know, if Messi can get to a final, uh, and win, you know, win. To me, that's the biggest story. Like, I look, I'm a Messi guy over Ronaldo. I don't think there's, to me, there's not much of an argument Same. that Messi's better. Same. Totally. Uh, yep. I get it. I mean, yep. Ronaldo's great. He's an all time great, but he's a goal scorer, which yep. is an amazing skill. And and he's a great at it. You can, whatever. There's a selfishness to the that position that uh, that I mean that kind of as a compliment in terms of playing that position that he has. Uh, but Messi's just different, and I, you know, there's like a Barry Sanders quality, a Pete Maravich quality to him, and perhaps I'm giving style points, but uh, yeah, to me, he's the best player in the world. I, you know, I think Argentina, to a fault, as and I think we see this a lot, uh, is it's like you have to play only through him, and it's like these great players who are just seeding to this other, you know, this one guy, yeah, um, and sometimes that doesn't work uh, because you know the other team obviously knows that as well, so. Yeah, that would be a tremendous final. That'd be fun. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's those two guys. I had two guys on that wrote a book. I think they work for the for the Wall Street Journal. Clegg yep. and Ro- they they just wrote a book about Ronaldo and 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 mm-hmm. and Messi. That that would be probably pretty good for their for their book if they ended up playing in the World Cup final. Hundred percent. All right. Anyway, and that was fun. 2026. It's in North America. And my daughter and I will be at one of the Italy games some way, somehow. <laughs> assuming they play in it. You know, assuming with the 67 teams or whatever it is, they can find a way to be one of them. <laughs> can Italy get in? <laughs> yeah, if they can qualify. That... If, they get, if they don't get in, the 48 teams, if they don't get in, then you got something. You got oh, my God. Long walk off a short cliff. Yeah, as a soccer fan for me. Um, that would be rough. Uh, it's been soul-crushing enough this time around. and was last time around. Um but oh my god! But if if, if, if look, they're going to be in it, I think. And if they are, I'll make sure to go to a game. I'm not going to Mexico, uh, but I'm sure at least one of their games will be somewhere else. And and my daughter and I will certainly yeah, be it's at, gonna be crazy. one of them. Yeah, it's, it's going to be amazing. I remember when it was here in '94, very very yeah, well, too. and um, I think it'll be ten times as big as that. So I'm looking forward to it. 
for sure. Yeah, it should be awesome. Okay, how about some sports media? Let's start with this. So last time you were on, um, it was at the beginning of the the football season was was was, was brewing. And we talked a lot about the, and I think we talked about this on text one time maybe, but we talked a lot about the top booths and the movement there. And I wonder now, two-thirds of the way, maybe even more through the, se- through the season, how would you rank the number one booths at the main rights holders across the league right now? I probably will. Look, I don't know if I want to rank them exactly, but I'll say that. <laughs> too much heat. Too um, much heat if you do that. Uh, yeah. Well, if I do it, I'll probably want to do it like in the paper or something. Okay, but, fair uh, enough. Uh, no, but I, no, no. But, How about this? I, How about this? No, but, let me just think. No, no, okay. no, I'm not against, no, I'm not against answering your question, though. I, I'm, I'm just thinking about it as I say. I'd say Buck Aikman probably right now are the best. That'd be my um, one. That would be my one. Because yeah. uh, I just think that they just know each other very well. It's very easy broadcast. Uh and, you know, Nance and Romo struggle a little bit in terms of the chemistry. Um, I think that's an issue. Uh, Tariko and Collinsworth, they've been fine. Tariko's good. He's not, you know, Al Michaels in his prime, but he's still, uh, he's very good. Uh, and then Burkhart and Olsen, I'm still, like, kind of formulating my opinion, but it's been fine at the least. It's been, like, you know, like they haven't had the focus. It's you know, it's a different. We, you know, Monday night is a different focus. So when you talk about like new crews, like the Tessator crew, the Levy crew, sure. it's a different focus on Monday because it's a standalone game. And even though uh, Fox is doing those uh, late windows, which get the biggest rating, it's still different because there's so much going on with fantasy. There's other games, and it's just not as much of a focus on the broadcast. And once the playoff happen, and then of course the Super Bowl, it'll be even more of a focus on Burkhart and Olsen. But I think it's been okay. I think it's been pretty good. Um, and, uh, you know, and I think it's hard. You know, it takes time. Uh, I don't think, you know, ideally you do this in year two uh, of Olsen. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I'd say that. And then Al and Herbstreet, it's been okay. It hasn't been as – I thought it would be a little bit better than it's been. Yeah, I think the schedule's hurt that, that group. Because I think Al takes it personally a I little bit. I guess so, but I don't think – you know? Yeah, he does. But <laughs> I, don't, I think that's a, not a fair, like – excuse in my opinion like I, I get it because like al and herbster used to do in the top games you know every week you know right. for herbster in college and then al for years at, with the nfl but other broadcasters do games like that so it, you know it's like so right, bucket aikman really, had saints and bucks you know three and not four whatever our records were terrible i actually but, think that's where you kind of get your worth like, yeah and they were know, great just complain yeah yeah they were great um manning cast hasn't felt as big this year um, they had a long break. I know they only do 10 of them. They felt really front-loaded. It kind of caused a long break between coming back this week. I didn't catch much of it this week because I can't watch it when my team is playing. Um, I do enjoy it, but I I just, I just have to watch a traditional broadcast when my team is playing. Um, so I didn't get to see much of it this week. But I just wonder, has the growth of the concepts sort of created a little bit of a watered-down version of their own? Has Have we lost our flair for wanting to watch it. Am I, am I wrong? It just feels like there's a little less buzz for it this year. What are your thoughts on it? Uh, I don't, I don't think it feels less than it did last year to me. I think there is a newness that we got last year that, you know, made it uh, a little more 
fresh and special, but I think they've done pretty well. I, I get it. Like, you know, you could say Buck and Aikman, that's taken some of the focus away. But I don't know. I think it's a fun broadcast. Like, I think, like you said, if it's not your team involved, I think it's something different, especially when they have lame games. I just think that right. it's kind of a nice something alternative. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a nice alternative on a Monday where you can say, all right, you know what? Let me see who they have on. And just like I, I, Peyton is just like he's just off the charts in terms of how smart he is. Now, in terms of that, talking about football, like I just find it so impressive. I've been around a lot of um, elite athletes, you know, mostly in baseball, but talk to a lot of these quarterbacks. And I, I'm not saying like they all can't talk. It's just Peyton's level of knowledge. So he's so uh, he's been out of league for what three, four, five years, and he uh, his level of like just being able to see the plays while doing the show and tell you intricacies is just like off the charts. Like I don't think, at least to me, I've seen anybody say stuff and explain things as well and as nuanced and uh, high level as Peyton. And then, you know, we know the dynamic with Eli making fun of him that kind of works. So I, I, to answer your question, I, yeah, maybe because it's year two. It's not, you know, that was new. This is like, Oh, Manning passes, eight Manning. And he's been, they've been trying to get him on TV forever to do these football games. And here he is. And so that's, uh, um, so I think it still feels big. Maybe not as big. You might be right in your premise, but I still think uh, it has value. I do think that it's the only one that works, though. I don't know that I've been able to get inside. I know there's been money of other attempts. When Jeter was on with A-Rod and Michael K, I tried to get into it, couldn't. Um, I just I think that that's their thing, and it, it hasn't worked as well. And I know there had been multi multi-channel broadcasts before. It's not like they necessarily invented it. It just seems like that they... You know, there was tablets before the iPad, but to me, the iPad is all that matters now. I feel like that's yep. kind of it with them. That it, That's their thing, and everyone else that does it, it's just not – I can't get into it for whatever reason. Yeah, well, I mean, Peyton's Peyton. Yeah. I know that, like, you know, most people now say that Brady's the best. Uh, I think Brady's had the best career. Is he the best quarterback? Like, who is better? Like, I'll take Dan Marino, personally. I know people, hey, you never won a champion. Okay, put Marino in these – rules and i'd like to see how he would do right yeah, uh, awesome. title yeah. yeah exactly how many titles you win and so the idea that peyton better than brady i get it like i don't really want to get in a stupid part not with you but with anybody sure. about these things yeah. because at the end of the day of he's time. got too many super bowls and he went to tampa yep and like you know manny only had two but like it's just there's more to football than just one player and so you can't just boil it down basketball you can boil down a little bit more championship. I you agree. One of five. You play offense, yep. defense, uh, and you can have the ball in your hands. Football, you have the ball. But so that said, I just think Peyton makes it different. I mean, Peyton's just that type of star. He's an yeah. all timer, and if you don't think he's the best ever, he's definitely in the top five. He's in your discussion, and and he's there in large part is because of his brain. Uh, and so I think that is. Uh, uh, what we get to see, and I, I do think that makes it very interesting. And I think when you watch it, you, you realize real quickly why every network wanted him so badly, why after he said no, they keep asking. You know, And, and it, it, it makes you realize why that kind of sight unseen, Fox offered so much money to Brady. You know, Because I think they look at a guy like Manning or even Romo's success, and they say, it can't miss, you know, they, they just must feel that way, you know, and, and I see why they do 
when you watch that show because he's just such a uh, such a unique personality. And I and I think maybe Brady being in kind of personality jail in New England for so long yeah. um, since he's been in Tampa, we've kind of gotten to see a little bit of how good he might be able to be. You know what I mean? And as frustrating as I as frustrating as the game was Monday for me as a fan. I did laugh really hard when I saw his press conference. He walks in, you know, and just says, you know, just how he drew it up or whatever. Like, he, he seems to have some of those same kind of comedic instincts, and I think that that makes – I'm not sure if he'll ever call a game for Fox or not, but I think if he does, yeah. he could be pretty good at it. And and I kind of get it, you know what I mean? Well, also he gets – the other thing about these guys is that they get th- – like I always say, like an athlete, you get like three points. Like Kiki Barber's on WFAN – in New York, yeah. right? So when you get when you let's say you're going at a scale of ten, you start with three points. Every a regular talk show host starts at zero. X player starts at three. People want to hear what they have to say more. In theory, especially about their sport that they played at a high level, they know more, so they get three points. Brady and Manning get five or six points. Probably you want to hear what they say. Anything they say has more value, and especially if they really express an opinion, it's going to make headlines everywhere. And you know, we can get into I don't know why, but we can get into the bodies that were that you know, obviously right, these guys right. are getting yeah. paid ridiculous amounts of money. It's sure. really not doesn't really make full sense when you think about the amount of work it is and the pay. But at the same time, uh these guys are legit stars. Uh you know, world stars. And uh so you know, when Tom Brady talks, it's going to be and also he's the other thing is, if Brady does it, I kind of feel like he's going to play next year now. But, but let's just say he does it next year. You know, he's going to be able to see the game better than most um, because he's been studying defenses for so long, and that's going to help, especially when you're first off the field. I don't know if anyone thinks like this besides us. Although your hashtag has made me think more people think like this than I thought. But if you look back at the year 2022. And you want to think about it just merely through a sports media lens. What do you think the year will be remembered for? Will it be the the shuffling of the NFL booths at an unprecedented level? Yeah. Or yeah, that's it, right? I think that's one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that doesn't that hasn't happened. I mean, a lot of the biggest names in the business, uh, the money involved, Brady involved. Uh, it really started like the you know a couple of years earlier, but. Uh, it, uh, yeah, that was Joe Buck, a legendary play by player going from Fox to ESPN. Uh, yeah, no, this is that's the story. I mean, the NFL deals technically went down this year. Um, you know, so that's a big story. It's $110 billion. It really, uh, made what, you know, it really, um, laid the groundwork for how we'll watch. TV the next 10 years, you know, in large part. Uh, and so, uh, you know, they're kind of like the kingmakers uh, when you look at like Brian Rolop and, and what the NFL did and they kind of deciding, you know, in a lot of respects, the future of media. Um, and so, uh, uh, yeah, so I think, um, uh, yeah, I think that's the biggest story though is the books. I mean, just the more, you know, again, you, Depends how you're looking at it. It's obviously subjective, but I'd go the broadcast booth. Sure. And this might be putting you on the spot a little bit in the sense of give me a name now kind of a thing. And maybe this might be another thing that you'd rather do in a column or whatever. But 
if the New York Post came oh, to you? Okay, I'm going to give you the good. I'll okay. The good, All right. Let's say the New York. I know. I, uh, <laughs> I know uh, but I, I, I'll try to give you the good. That just not. Yeah. I, I okay. just don't like. I don't like to say things I haven't fully thought sure. out. And this, and this, I'm trying to figure sure, out. Sure, this is that's fair. And this might be part this might fall under that category and I'll stand if it is. But let's say the New York Post came to you and said, Hey, you know how Sports Illustrated does that uh the sportsman of the year, time does the man of the year thing. Mm. We want to do that for sports media in the paper this year. Who do you think uh, who do you think would win it? You know what I am gonna do it for you because I am doing <laughs> power I am I am doing I'm doing they've been asking me to do power rankings for a long time. Okay. I guess a little preview it. So in my newsletter that comes out every Monday, uh, not this Monday, but the following one, December 19th, we're going to have the power rankings for 2022. I think one of the people, I'm not going to say who, Okay. you guess. One of the people we've mentioned on the on this, a couple of them actually, are definitely in consideration for number one. Okay. Who's had the best, it's based on who had the, well, let me ask you, you don't pop your head, I'll put you on the spot. Okay. Who had the best year? It's not like, because, you know, if you did the power rankings, then... Every year it would be Roger Goodell, Jimmy Pitaro, right. Adam Silver. Sure. He just said, who's the most powerful in sports, et cetera, Eric Shanks. Uh, but if you're just saying, I'm talking about this year, like Silver probably doesn't get big run because the NBA didn't really do that much this year in terms of business and media. You know, that's coming up. They'll probably be one at some point in the future. But like this year was kind of a quiet year on their front in terms of, uh, you know, a big year. Right. I. I don't know if I'm being biased here, but I'd probably say Joe Buck um, for a couple of reasons. One, he, he got the huge deal. He moved to ESPN. He's returned the prestige to the, to that booth. The, the Monday Night Football booth could arguably be the genesis of this idea that uh, announcers make the games feel big. I think, at least in my own personal life, that's where that originated. Growing up, when the Saints were on Monday Night Football, and I heard... You know Frank and um, and Deardorf and uh, Al. I knew wow, my team's in a big game, and I think he restored that prestige. And also, I think him not being there in baseball, despite the fact that I thought Joe Davis did okay, I think again sort of just reminded me how great he was um, because it felt like baseball had lost its voice um, in a lot of ways. And I think I, I'm confident that potentially that that could emerge in Joe Davis as the years go on. But I think. Joe Buck not being there, I think I would I would probably put him at number one. But he, you know, in full disclosure, he's we're really friendly, it's similar to the way we are. Um, so I, maybe I'm being biased, but because um, he has done a lot for me, but uh, I think that's who I'd go with. That's why you're good at what you do. He's definitely under consideration. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's fun at the end of the year to look back, and I know you're going to do a lot of that in your columns. Let's look ahead for a second. What do you think are going to be the two or three biggest sports me if we're doing this next year you know around yep. this time what do you think are going to be some of the things we'll be talking about as the big stories in sports media for 2023 do we have an idea of what the nba does is apple involved is amazon involved are others involved uh i think that one is going to be uh a very large story I Where think. did the Sunday ticket end up, right? And how did they Sunday do? Sunday ticket, yeah, 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 that one's going to be very interesting going into next season. Uh, that's a good one. That's really, you know, it's been feeling like Apple, but, you know, it's been dragging on, which makes you think, well, maybe it won't be Apple. Right. Um, and so. Will the NBA uh, rights, will that be next year? 
Uh, I mean, you know, they can do it on their own timetable. Sure. I don't know if uh, we're talking 25, 26 seasons. And next okay. year we're 23, Maybe not next year, 24, yeah. probably I'd say early 24, but Agreed. 23, we start like kind of getting a feel for, uh, you know, who, you know, what, what, how it plays out and kind of, you know, they can they can set their own timetable on that, but uh, first year but for yeah, MLS, so that one will be interesting, right? The first year, of the yeah, new so that's MLS a good thing. one. Yes, yeah. MLS, Apple. I mean, Apple will guard those numbers, uh, and you know, but uh, that's you know that could be. Yeah, I think the Apple's goal is in the next decade to try to have everybody to sell you know sell subscriptions to all these games globally. I don't know if they'll be successful on that. Like I think. If they if they're like mantras, we want everything like MLS. I'm not sure they're going to get that with the major sports league in the near future. And when I say near right. future, the next like ten years. I mean, first of all, the contracts are tied up for a long time. I just also don't know if the leagues will want to take that chance. You know, I don't think they're going to take any chances. If MLS is somehow a huge success, like that, it's undoubtedly a success, and it's like, all right, NBA, just do this. And this is what you're going to get. But um, you think the NBA, like I think, under that model, selling globally, I think they could have a pretty substantial business. The problem with doing it, though, is that do you is that you don't really want to you want to keep as many suitors involved. Like I think you want ESPN paying you more than like all right, let's see how many people in Bulgaria and Argentina and wherever else you know we can get. I'm not saying you want you're going to do that too, but if Apple. You know, and Apple doesn't, you know, they're not the only one who could sell subscriptions. It's not like you couldn't go through Discovery and turn and Warner, you know, Warner Brothers Discovery could possibly do that. Disney with ESPN could possibly, you know, there's others who could do that. It's not Amazon, of course. Um, so, but that's going to be interesting. You know, where the regional sports networks, what happens there, uh, that could have a huge impact on sports right. uh, leagues, you know, because that business is imploding. You know, people focus on ESPN and maybe not this one, but really the regional sports network, that's going to be a huge story. What's going to happen there? And there's going to be more direct-to-consumer products. I mean, I think people are already overloaded with direct-to-consumer stuff, but I think uh, you're going to see that, you know, which, you know, especially depending on where the economy goes and advertising, I just think you're going to see more direct-to-consumer products. Um, and I think subscription works it works more in you know these you know niche subscription really does work in my opinion. Um, and when you have a great niche that's a global that's something global like basketball or soccer, then uh, you it might work. You know when you uh, you start picking off people from you know when there's you know billions and billions of people in the world that you can reach you know through an iPhone etc. Uh, so I think those are some of the business questions sure. and the. On air stuff, there'll be, you know, those all pop up. I mean, as of right now, I don't think we're going to get the, the same um, impact that we got. Uh, yeah, I think that was you unique. Know. I think that was a special. Yes a special brew that just kind of came together at the right moment. I was walking yeah. around the grocery store listening to you and John, um, and you guys were talking about something I hadn't thought about much. And it's kind of just this idea, well, these subscription services, these OTTs start merging. You know, and if they do, what will the effect on the sports rights that they have be? You know, like I was thinking about how amazing it would be for a soccer fan if Paramount Plus and Peacock became one team somehow. 
you know, like yeah, cause right there, you, one, yeah. maybe they don't, you know, I'm, well, I'm just being yeah, hypothetical, I, I guess, you know, yeah. but that, I think that I could guess, be a huge thing if that starts to happen in some way. Yeah, soccer's unique though. You know, like that's the one thing you look at soccer, right? So if you're a big soccer fan, you almost need everything. Right. Right. I, everyone um, in here is a perfect thing. I'm an Italian national team fan, right? And when they're not yep. playing, my guys go all over the world to play. You know, I have to have an eye on the Premier League to see Scamacca and to see Jorginho. I got to have Syria for most of the guys. But then I got Verratti and Donnarumma in on PSG in that league. You know, so people are all over. And it's uh, and so you yeah. so that's how you follow it. You yep. watch all those guys. Yes, teams? I don't have a club team. Interesting. I don't have a club that's team, but I'm very invested so you, in the in the Italian players. And you watch not to root for them, just to see how your guys are playing. Yes, I mean I, I root for those. I mean by proxy, I'm, I'm rooting so wait, for like, PSG so to win. Back. You know, I got like, a question. Yeah, I got a, I got a question for you though. I got to turn this around. Sure. So when you look at MLS, right? When you look at the Apple deal, right? And I won't even put Messi in with the first question. Yeah. Do you think it works? Because that's their big argument is that they have more players from all these different countries and that they're going to get people to, to, to subscribe from, you know, and I, I think global subscription makes sense, but do you think that works? I don't know because here's the thing like with, so there's Insigne, Bernadeschi and Cialini in that league right now are the big Italian players in the league. There's a couple others mm-hmm. as well. But the thing is, I don't know that they fit into the, the national team's plans much anymore because they're towards the end of their career, right? This that's idea that the league... Specific. That's very specific to how you watch. Right, right? for I'm sure, but like, I was just kind of giving so... my perspective. Um, I think it could work. I think that, like, you want to take Messi out of it, but I think if you put him in it, I think that's the ultimate... I think that's, that's I, the, that's the best luck they can get because I think now you're talking about a guy who people all around the world are still going to want to see play, and if that's the only way to do it, I think they're going to do it. You know what I mean? I think that I tend to agree. Yeah, I tend to agree. I, and people keep it like and John, like you know, on the podcast or it, you know, he's not as big a saga. Right? He brings up Wayne Rooney. He brings up David Beckham. No, and, this like, is the different. Thing that's different. Yeah, I agree. That's what I keep saying. This is different because this is uh, Gretzky of, and Jordan. You know, like this is exactly. Yeah, and also it's how he plays too. It's not just like like Ronaldo to me. Again, like you know, there's people who love Ronaldo. He just doesn't play. As someone who loves soccer, this Messi is just different. He's Pistol Pete. He's uh, yeah. uh, Barry R- Sanders. Like, Ronaldo's the guy. See, like, what- Ronaldo, you almost don't think about him all game. And then in the 93rd minute, he, he's hiding a goal in, and he's got his shirt off. And you're like, oh, that's why that guy's great. Where at Macy, the whole game, you're like, oh, my God. Look what he just said. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You know I just feel like his impact on the game. But do game people is get more... that socially? Like, let's say Messi does something amazing. It's going to be on Twitter, right? If he does something. Yeah. And and you think he'll play like you're feeling? You think if he'd be into it? Cause that's another issue. I that think. is, I and that I, I I don't know enough about him. I think, yeah, you know, but I think, but I think he's the ultimate. Just I almost I think agree. they signed that deal, saying like, hmm, maybe. But if we get this, then everyone's gonna think we're brilliant. You know, like I think that that was the yeah. I think they the knew. ace in like, the I hole. They yeah, know. they knew it's that coming in. There's something yep. with Adidas as well with uh, he. He kind of has like his own like Jordan brand type thing going on there. Yeah, I think he gets a lot. He gets a cut of the U.S. domestic sales, and that you know the theory being that those would go way up, and he's going to make a lot of money that way as well. Uh, so that is uh, interesting, and you wonder could Ronaldo? I know he's got the Saudi money on the table, but uh, you wonder about Ronaldo. I do think Ronaldo kind of wants to come to the U.S., so that's a uh, 
um, that's another interesting factor if they got both of them. Yeah, that's the thing about Ronaldo with the Saudi money. Is like I don't know if his ego will allow him to kind of be in that kind of to be in that league because I think you can get for, forgotten about real quick over there. He would totally get forgotten. You know what I mean? Like, and I don't know if his ego is going to let him do that. I think that. You know, it's not even that ego, you know, like, that's interesting. I don't ego, mean it negatively. Like, don't yeah, I don't mean it negatively. Yeah, it's like, yeah. it's just like, well, do you want to be relevant or not? Yeah. It's hard. I mean, that's a lot of money. But they're not asking for a year, right? They're asking for, like, two Several and a half years. years, yeah. 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 So it's like, that's a lot of time. That's not just, uh, and that's the end of his career. Then he's done. Then he's going to come back and be, like, you know, in the public spotlight again. Yeah, maybe, but. I don't know. It's it's a you know he must you know obviously he has a lot of money. He can make money like you know Brady and all these other guys can make money. So again, that is an incredible amount of money to play in like some crappy league. But um, uh, it's uh, yeah, he's gonna have to see what he values the most. Yeah, and I think the debate is important to him too. You know the the Messi versus, yes. and I wonder if he's worried that that that's going to hurt him in the debate. You know, if he's going to be like, ah, 100%. People, it yeah. would hurt him. Yeah. And it would for sure. So I, I don't know. I, it's a lot of money to turn down, but I think, you know, I, I just, I'll be surprised. I think if he ends up there, I don't know. Depends what his, you know, yeah. man's only as good as his choices. Sure. So we'll see. It depends what his choices are. All right. The sportscasters finishing up with Andrew Marchand from the New York post. You can read his articles there. Of course, he just wrote a great one about, um, uh, help me with her name. Uh, the ALS. Yes, yes. Oh, um, a really great one there. You can listen to the Marshawn and Oran podcast every Wednesday, where you get podcasts and it's on YouTube as well. And um, the newsletter, the the New York New York Post Plus, I believe Monday mornings. Uh, that's in your yep, Monday mornings. Yep, yep. in your email. Um, anything else? Articles. Plug yeah, wise. All, and then yeah, yeah, articles and columns all. All, you know, then those come out at different times, you know, depending on news and what's going on. Probably best thing to do is just hop on Twitter if you're there at Andrew Marchand and he, he links everything uh, you can find. Um, big self-promoter. <laughs> that was a nice way of saying big self-promoter. <laughs> we so, all are. But what you, else is Twitter for? Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't, I would. I don't think I'd be on if not for that. I think, you know. Exactly. Uh, do you have any questions uh, for me? Let me think. Let me think. Um... Well, you didn't ask me this. What have you thought of the Fox coverage? Yeah, it's been horrible. <laughs> it's been yeah. horrible. And I wanted to ask you that, and I'm like, you know what? Let's just have fun talking about the World Cup. Uh, it's All been, right, you, you know, but at the it's a good one for the end. We'll end on that. It's been absolutely horrible. Um, I, I wonder sometimes, this is what I keep saying to myself, who do they think are watching these games? I agree. You know what I mean? And I think you killed it with the Harry Kane thing before the U.S. game. They're talking about this contrived thing of like he watched a Brady documentary and it like changed his life or something. You know what I mean? And yeah, exactly. It, and he didn't even have Brady. No, and and like, don't they have some influence with him? They probably could have got of him, course, right? Yeah, <laughs> they could have got you. Would think if three hundred seventy-five million dollars and they do a game with him every week, you could say, "Hey, Tom, we're doing this thing about Harry Kane. Can you answer a question about him?" And it'll be he's like, "Who?" Uh, and so I uh, no, and like, and it just didn't seem. The other thing is frustrating about that is like you could introduce Harry Kane not through the lens of Tom Brady. It's a tremendous story. Yeah, you know, it's like you don't need that. And I just also think like they, you know, so much focus on the U.S. team. I mean, again, I get it. You want to promote that they're going to be on every five seconds, and then the uh, the time thing is unforgettable. The, the times I'm talking about. Oh my god, I think that's, that's awful. Totally, I find that totally unforgettable. And I get you know people are going to tell me when well, they do that for all sports. We know, like, again, I don't think it's right for other sports either when they do it, but on Sundays, we know 
the games are won in 425. Right. right? Those are yep. time, the NFL games. Those are yep. embedded in sports. These games are all the way around the world. People have schedules. If they want to make time to watch these games, it just – They're look, making lunch plans. Covers, lunch plans. Exactly. They're making their work plans, schedule around meetings. it. Yeah, exactly. brutal. I mean, look, brutal. I ended up going to meetings in the city yesterday. It just, you know, Steve, it just happened to be – the first day of the World Cup being uh, oh, so you got some meetings for that day? Coincidence. Yeah, what a it was coincidence! Just a coincidence yeah. Steve. Yeah. Not, you think I'd be talking to you at ten thirty? Yeah, probably <laughs> not. If yeah, had, if we had, I was thinking about it. Like, no way, man. Yeah, yeah. you wouldn't be talking to me either. We we would have said, all right, let's do this. At, yeah, what's well, that? In between the games, we say, yeah, right in between. Yeah, 12, 50, yeah. one o'clock. We say. Yeah. So the bottom line is, uh, yeah, I don't know. At 9 a.m. on a weekday, who do they think's watching these pregame shows? Yeah, I don't get it. And here's one other thing, and you might tell me it's the world feed and all that, and I get it, but in the last day of the group stages, yep. when you're getting to the last five, six minutes of the games, I don't understand how you don't have some kind of live standings thing there. And if you can't yeah. have that, at least explain to me, like, oh, if there's a goal here, they're going to top the group. Or if 100%. there's a goal here, they're not going to make I never knew what was going on. I mean, I I, I made it a point. And we I love made it a soccer. point to know. And yeah, but we're googling it. Yeah, and like, here's the thing: so we love soccer. Their their philosophy is we're trying to appeal to the non soccer fan, basically, in the Olympic approach, the NBC Olympic right. approach. So sh- tell yeah. them how exciting the end of these games are. Exactly. Yeah. Nobody knows what's going on. You're right. And then Jackie Oldley said the wrong. There's ten minutes left in Spain. Saying Spain is out, right? Yes. Yeah. She said Spain was out. Ugh. I'm watching. I thought it was the opposite, right? Like I knew in my head. I'm like, all right, well, she's the broadcaster. She should know. And like literally, Germany just scored on the other game, and you see how they react, how they're you know grabbing the ball out of the goal, which tells you in you know if you know anything about soccer, then okay, hold on a second. Germany, if they were in right now, they would not be in a rush to go put right. the ball in the, be the know, to start play up <laughs> yeah. again. Yeah, they'd be doing the opposite, and so uh, you just can't get that wrong. And and like and that's the thing. That's where the tension is of the broadcast. And like honestly, you need to be saying that. Not like over and over, but like every two minutes, it's like, if this team scores, this is what it means. If the other team scores, this is what it means. And then like, and even more so, uh, again, I have double, t- you know, I do this for a living. So I got a, I got a, you know, triple TV setup, and yeah. you know, two TVs on my wall. So I got a, you know, pretty good setup. So I can, we have it too in one. our living room. Yeah, exactly. Movies. Yeah. So, Exactly. So, but not everyone does. Right. In their office, you need to. And your job is to cover it and provide the best coverage. I, I just like like so lacking. And they're just and, like, giving so, up like, the no most dramatic thought. moments of the tournament. Like, and and the other thing is like they're so like relying on U.S. rank the ratings, and they have the Euros now. Wouldn't you want to develop the stories so I'm even more interested in the Euros? Um, yeah. even talk about that. Yeah, about yeah. everything. About the you know you got to give me some storylines so I can understand those and instead it's like let me introduce you to tyler adams and like it's fine um but and i'm not saying that that's a that's a fair feature i'm not saying like no yeah one knows about right. tyler adams yeah but like it's just there's just not enough uh just not enough meat on the bone and there's not enough like explanation even their u.s stuff they're so focused on the u.s they never really got enough into geo reina they nope. kind of like, mentioned him totally but they never like got, yeah. they never like told me like what could be going on? They never like. I had to talk to people in the business to find out like what the relationship is between Claudio Reyna 
Gio's father and Greg Berhalter, who I believe are teammates. You know, and was there was there something there? You know, is there some politics? Would be so U.S. soccer, uh, and apparently not. Apparently, like the they're both like the husband and wife, uh, Berhalter and, and Gio. They're they're all like best friends. Like yeah, see, I didn't know any of that. But, I would have loved to have known that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's so much stuff. Like you need to get into that, and like also why. Like, I always, you know, look, there's a reason for, like, you could talk about, like, Geo's not playing, but it's a good, and, like, they love, like, debate, but, like, give me that. Tell me why he's not playing. Instead of, like, I wish they, like, they're, and then there's too much of they need to score goals. Like, you know, crap. Right. And, <laughs> and they, there, you know, like, they uh, punted. Yeah, they I, punted on the political stuff, right? And I'm, I'm for that, actually. Yes. Like, I'm glad they did that. But I think if you're going to do that, you got to kill it on the sports stuff then. You know what I mean? I, yeah, I think it makes that's it a fair. Even... I like. I think that's a fair point. I don't think you put on the political stuff. I think there's certain right, and I understand. I understand bad. the other opinion. I'm not saying it has to be the focus of the broadcast, right? But yes, but you're right. If you're going to say we're going to present the sport better, you better than kill anyone, it. Then you better kill it. Yeah, that's yep. a very good point. Yep, that's and that's very good point. That's kind of how I felt about it. And one last thing I'll say about this soccer coverage in general, and then I'll let you go. I know you got other stuff to do, but um, the unique thing about watching players more than leagues or teams is I see the coverage from all these different places. Mm. You know, I get to yep. see how the the team at Universal or Peacock or whatever handles it. I get to see how Serie A and Champions League is handled by um, Paramount. Right, leave me on this. I got, yeah. I got another question before I go here. Yeah. Give me your top four. You love doing this to me. Yeah. I'll do a little princess. Give me your top four. Sure. Give me your top Good top job four. by you. That's a good um, job. That's a good job, Andrew. Good job. Good job. Give, me your, uh, <laughs> give me your top four. Who has the best? One through four. Coverage. The coverage job. Okay, I think Paramount is number one. What they do with okay. Serie A and Champions League is great. They have great people, you know, whether it be Thierry Henry or, you know, their their Champions League and their Serie A. It's different people, uh, but either yep. way, it's great. Um, some of the 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 Italian TV YouTubers that they plucked off are great. You know, like they just that's that's number one. Um, number okay. number two is is. Probably Peacock, I guess, and the the Premier okay. League stuff, and that is probably number two. The way they mix like some of the other properties in is really good, I think. And the only thing I don't like about their coverage is I don't I don't like how if if the game is on TV, it's not on Peacock. Then I got to go find it like on the NBC Sports app. It's kind of a pain yeah, in the ass, cool. you know. I yeah, don't I like that. Cool. You know, that's if the awesome they have the game on USA, point. yeah, I can't go to Peacock. I have to go to the yeah, NBC Sports app. Pain in the ass. So that's probably why they're two, because uh, I think they're pretty good. Otherwise. Um, let's see who would be number three then. Um, like I thought ESPN's Euro coverage was outstanding. Um, yeah, so maybe I put them at number three, the way they cover the sport in general. Um, and the Euros, I thought they killed it. Like if, if we're comparing how ESPN covered the Euros to how Fox is covering the World Cup, and I know they're different events and I get all the differences, yep. but man, that's like an A plus versus an F paper. You know what I mean? Yep. So I think uh, I put ESPN three. And then um, number four, I guess, would be. Jeez, who's left? Um, Fox, the, uh, ESPN uh, has definitely got to be three because here's what ESPN has: they have incredible depth with ESPN Plus. Yeah. I can watch. I wa- and I did this. I watched the, the Italy friendlies that they played because they're not in the World Cup. They played two friendlies yeah. this month. Those were on ESPN Plus, which is a blessing. The depth yeah. at which they're they they have brought the sport to the. They have a lot of offerings. Yes, it's great. So they they it's might not even, as good. I don't think overall. No, know, like, like I even text stuff. you like we don't even have a guy talking in this game till like the ninth minute. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, but uh, he showed up eventually. You know what I mean? I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <That's a traffic. laughs> 
He got he got around to it so he could tease me about not being in the World Cup for two hours. He got there eventually. Um, yeah, so then I guess I would say those are the top three, and then everyone else is fighting to be in the top three. You know. There you go. All right. Yeah. All right. All right, my man. Again, at Andrew Marchand on Twitter. Um, the podcast is outstanding. If you go back on this podcast, the archives into this season, the the first episode I had back after being sick uh, was Andrew and his partner, John, and that was really fun, I thought, and a good spot. And I don't think anyone else has really done that. Has anyone else had you both on at the same uh, time like that? I, no, I think you, you, know, you have the exclusive on yeah, that Yeah, that was a good – that was a good good job by that me. That was fun. That yeah, was, that was. Yeah, that was a good, job. Yeah. good job by you. Yep, good job by me. All right, buddy. Anything else you want to mention? All right, man. No, nope, I just want to wish you good health and yes. a good New Year. Yes, happy holidays, so, uh, happy, happy New Year, all that. Too. Yeah, all to right. you and the fam. All right, buddy. I'll talk all to you right, on talks. I'm sure. See you. Right. Thanks, man. All right, too. Could have used a few pounds. Tight pants, points, hollering out. She was a black haired beauty with big dark eyes and points all her own, sudden way up high. Way up firm and high. I want to thank Andrew Marchand for being on the podcast today. Always love having uh, Andrew on the podcast. Uh, one of my favorite sports media writers in the country. Thanks to him for doing it. I appreciate it. All right, quick book club update today. We won't spend a lot of time on this. We're going to kind of move on, um, get the interviews going, get the uh, get the season going. But I um, wanted to talk a little bit about sports books. You know, sports books are a big part of this podcast. Uh, the book club has been a big reason why we've had people like Artie Lang and Frank DeFord and made relationships with people like Joe Poznanski and Jen Wertheim and some of the other authors that have come on over and over again for their books, Jeff Perlman, um, even though he won't come on anymore uh, because he doesn't like my politics. But sports books are a big deal. Uh, they're a big reason why this show exists. And I know they're also a great Christmas gift. Um, if you got a dad, a mom, a sister, a brother, someone who likes to read them, um, why not I, who spends the whole year uh, following them, uh, but give a few recommendations uh, for what would be some of the good ones uh, to to buy for people? And I want to suggest a few. Uh, and one would be, I want to suggest Christopher Price's book about the Hartford Whalers. He was on the podcast uh, the last episode, I think, or maybe the one before that. And he was really great, and his book is called Bleeding Green, and that's by Christopher Price, and I highly recommend uh, that book. I also recommend Macy versus Ronaldo, One Rivalry, Two Goats, and the Era That Remade the World's Game by Joshua Robinson and Jonathan Clegg. If you're looking for a soccer book, um, I would definitely recommend that one. Um, if you're looking for a book about wrestling, uh, one that I really liked this year was by The Rocks Boy, uh, his writer uh, that was his, with him forever. His name is Brian Gowitz, and there's just one problem. True Tales from the former one-time seventh most powerful person in the WWE, Brian, G-E-W-I-R-T-Z. If you're looking it up on Amazon, it's a really great book. 
Really enjoyed it. Loved having Brian on the show. Another one I loved, Fred Siegel, the guy behind Freezing Cold Takes, his book, NFL, Football Media's Most Inaccurate Predictions, and the Fascinating Stories Behind Them. Uh, Can't recommend that one enough. Uh, Really good. I thought the Coach K book was really good, even though the writer blew us off and uh, agreed to come on and then didn't. I still did like that book. That happened a couple times this year. Uh, Raiders agreeing to come on. And blowing us off. But I'll still recommend that book. The Coach K book was really good. That was when I read in the hospital during my surgeries. And I did enjoy it. Um, a couple other ones where the author blew us off. I didn't enjoy those ones as much. Uh, so they're not going to get a plug um, in this spot. But there's four or five right there. Solid ones. There's probably more um, good ones from this year. Now, if you're just looking for one from ever. Like, okay, you've been doing this for 10 years. I just want to get a good Sports book. I don't care what year was published. I'll give you a few of those. How about the Baseball 100 by Joe Piznanski? An awesome book that you don't have to read from cover to cover. You can jump around if you want. Uh, really good to do that. Football for a Buck. Jeff Perlman's passion project um, about the USFL, his favorite sports league. Um, really, really good. One of his best. Sweetness, I think, is the best, though. So if you're looking for a, a Perlman book, I'd go there. Uh, the Dream Team by Jack McCollum. Uh, I would get that one. That's incredible about the Dream Team from 92. Uh, the Last Great Game by Gene Wojciechowski about Duke and, and uh, who was it, Kentucky. Great book there. Another one I love and would recommend. Uh, Verducci, The Yankee Years with Joe Torre. I'd recommend that one. Glory Days by John Wertheim. I'd recommend that about the summer of 1984. I'd recognize his other book, Scorecasting. Um, I would definitely check that one out. The book that started the whole podcast, uh, Death of the BCS, is maybe a little bit outdated, but Jeff Passon's other book, The Arm, isn't. I would definitely check that out. If you're looking for another wrestling book, go no farther than David Shoemaker's book, uh, one of the best wrestling books of all time. Uh, Find that one. And Artie Lang was on here to promote his second book, not too fat to fish, but the other one. Uh, so let's give out Artie Lang any of his books a shout. Super honest and vulnerable and um, really difficult to um, put itself out there the way he did for those books. So that's a bunch of titles, new and old, that I would recommend as books. Oh, another author who I love uh, has really good stuff. Uh, I mentioned some of my favorites. I mentioned Perlman. I mentioned Wertheim. I mentioned Passin. Um, some really great ones. Uh, McCollum, I love his book. Um, just so many good ones. Oh, Scott Morrison, by the way, another one for this year, has a book called 1972, a hockey book about um, if there's a goal that everyone remembers, 72, that Canadian team. I love that book. Uh, I would definitely recommend 1972 if you haven't read that one. All right, again, that's a bunch of them. New and old. Let's take a break. We'll be right back with uh, Stuart Mandel. Our next guest today is the college football editor-in-chief in in The Athletic. He's been coming on this show since 2011, back when he was with Sports Illustrated. He's also wrote about the sport for Fox Sports. He's been with CNN. He went to Northwestern. He's out in the West Coast now. He's a great dude. He comes on every August, 
And we're going to start making a tradition that he comes on every December, too, to talk about the year that was in college football. A warm sportscaster's welcome to Stuart Mandel. What's up, Stuart? How are you doing today? Good, Steve. How are you? Well, I am not, I am nothing if not fair, Stuart. So we shall start today uh, with uh, with you taking the, your victory lap for your Oklahoma prediction. Ah, that's right. Well, I did get it wrong. I said seven and five, and they ended up six and six. <laughs> oh, it, it was definitely sorry about that. It was definitely my uh, most contrarian take. Now you flip flopped a little bit. You flip flopped after that I Nebraska did after game. The Nebraska game. Yeah. I said, "Oh, I guess I was wrong," but I yeah. wasn't wrong. It's just that Nebraska was that bad. Yeah. Oof. Um, the looking back at my Big Twelve predictions is kind of hilarious because I nailed that, and I correctly picked Kansas State to win the Big Twelve title, which by no means was. An obvious thing at the time. However, I picked TCU to tie for last with Texas. So that part was not right. Well, here's the thing about the Oklahoma thing. Now, I was very much... The one thing I did do on the podcast that I can take a little bow for, not that it took a genius, but I said that Caleb Williams was absolutely unreplaceable. And there was no way a team could lose him and not feel the impact of that uh and that proved to be true and also i thought that they would be about a three or four loss team i wasn't going crazy i didn't think they were anywhere near what six overall or whatever they were at some point i never bought into that here's what worries me about the future for them is and i'm facing the same thing with uh the saints who are my nfl team have been since i was a little kid but um i just i'm worried they, they hired the wrong guy i'm worried that brent venerable's is way too into this rah-rah stuff and not enough into just, like, coaching football. Like, he's all about, like, let's get hand-in-hand and be brothers and just this weird kind of thing that I don't think translates to winning. I don't know. What, what I gave you the chance to uh, to take the lap, and you, you deserved it. You were right about them. But what, what do you project in terms of their future? What, what do you see when you think about OU moving forward, the SEC leading yeah. on the horizon? Well, I think that the reason that I thought what ended up, I didn't think it would be as bad as it was, but I knew it would be a, a rough transition because you're going from Lincoln Riley, a complete offensive minded coach, and you're seeing that at USC now, to Brent Venables, a defensive coach. And that is a not an easy change to instill overnight. That is a huge culture change and also not as easy to. Like, if you have a bad defense, if you look at what Lincoln Riley just did, right? He took over a team that went 4-8, and eight, and he just went out in the portal, got, you know, obviously helped step Caleb Williams, and turned them into one of he the was, best offenses in the country. He was overnight. the original bring-your-luggage guy, right? <laughs> he brought his luggage. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. brought his luggage. Yeah, yeah. And, it definitely was, and it definitely was Louis Vuitton. Yes, oh, but absolutely. Yeah. the defense still stinks, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. Oh, you yeah. can't just bring in a couple transfers and have a great defense. So I think the problem for Brent Venables now is that because everybody had such unrealistic expectations in the first place and so desperately wanted him to like basically prove that Lincoln Riley was a fraud, um, now he's got a deep hole, and it's hard to overcome those first impressions. I There's no reason to think he can't get better. I think he needs to make some staff changes. I never understood why he brought in Ted Roof as his D.C., but like the fans are going to be really impatient. They're gonna, if he's not back to winning – contending for playoff bids by like year three, they're going to want to run him off. So right. now he has um, kept that class his, his first recruiting class together so far. 
You know what I mean? Like, he has a really great 23 class um, that, for the most part, he's kept together, which I'm sort of surprised about with the way we can talk about this as we keep going with the way it seems like people change their mind about where they want to be in this era. Yeah. But so far, so good. Great quarterback coming in, you know, good class. Um, and I would hope that the positive of being a defensive coach is that some of those defensive players that didn't want to come play for Lincoln might want to come play for him. And I also would say that, you know, there's a lot of, I wouldn't even call it rumors at this point. Um, a lot of, informed speculation that they're going to end up joining the sec a year early now that the 12 team playoff is officially coming that year right if i were him i would be rooting against that you want more time to transform your roster and make it more of an sec line of scrimmage roster before you join that league that's a that's a fair point and i would agree with that i would agree with that for sure um but they got like i said i i think that they need to hope I think the number one thing for him is that I'm wrong that he focuses on the wrong things. It's just some it's weird to me sometimes. Uh but he has to be he just has to hope that Jackson Arnold and um the other five star guy from Kansas City whose name I won't even attempt and uh some of these guys that make up what currently is a seventh overall recruiting class stay committed to them and committed to him and that they hit on. It's not like the great five stars they had a few years ago with with all these wide receivers that just none of them panned out or whatever, you know, like this, he needs to hit on this class, I think. Yeah. And look, the good news is with recruits, they don't get too caught up in the, you know, like they, they're, they're, they're just going to, you know, he's, he's selling them on a, a bright future, right? They're yeah. not going to get yep. so caught up in what's happening in his first year. Presumably he told them this would happen that they would, and then they would come save the day. Right. You know? Oh, he's telling yeah. them like, yeah. you know, Everybody recruits. If you're if you have a great team, then you sell the recruits on. Come see see how great we are. Come join us. Be part of this. And if you have a bad team, you call them up and say, "See, we need you. We need your. You know, you come in. You'll help us from day one." Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you mentioned Lincoln Riley a little bit, and you also mentioned the Big Twelve championship game. And it, it's had me thinking something. I've been thinking a lot about this week, and that is championship games in general. And I know again, I know I'm not the only one there, but it seems to me like that Snake Lincoln Riley would have been better off <laughs> winning his first 11 games, you know, losing at home or something the last week, missing the championship game, uh, and then he'd be in the playoffs, right? It seems like they got punished and teams have in the past for playing in these games. Why do we still have these games, and will they be a thing of the past with the emergence of the 12-team playoff? Will they maybe phase those out? Obviously not because you need them for automatic bids. Maybe it won't be as big of a deal. But, man... The, the, yeah, the championship game the strikes again, right? You know what I mean? It's definitely a flaw in the system that you, if you play an extra game and lose, you drop behind a team that didn't play, that yeah. didn't earn the right to play in their conference championship. Um, and But I think because it was a blowout, like, look, TCU lost its conference championship and didn't move down at all. Right. I mean, it, the, the problem for USC is it was such a blowout, and it was their second loss. Right. Um, but in the 12-team playoff, I mean, conference championship games become more meaningful. Right, because of the bids. Yeah, yeah. whoever wins is going to the playoff. And and losing it doesn't necessarily mean you're out of the playoff, right? If in a 12-team, both Utah and USC would be in it. So the the, the other interesting, um, if you want to call it, I guess, a quirk in the system, I mean, they designed it this way, is that winning the conference championship gets you, for at least four of them, gets you a buy, a right. first-round buy. Sure. So 
Now, I think if you play that out this year, there's a big flaw because Utah is getting a bye in that system, and Ohio State is not, and it means that the seedings are all screwed up. But um, it does mean, like you asked, are they going away? I think there's no reason to get rid of them in this system because this system will reward teams for winning that game. Well, here's what I wondered then. Can they, will they, will more conferences maybe, do what the Big 12 does and eliminate the division so that you make sure the two teams competing for that spot are your best two teams of the conference. I think they'll all eliminate them um, in large part because um, like the SEC would be the last one to do it because I think there's a lot of you know identity and pride in that conference of winning your the SEC East or the SEC West. But with, with those two new teams coming in, a 16-team conference, if you stuck to two divisions, you'd almost never play the teams in the other division. So right. I think that they'll all scrap divisions. But it's interesting to me that the first year the Pac-12 did it, they ended up with a three-loss team. And, like That's what they were trying to avoid. And they still ended up with a three-loss team in the, in the winning the championship because of a weird tiebreaker. Like I still don't understand why they got in in Washington, 10-2 and two Washington did not. But, um, you know, <laughs> that's... I, I will. I mean, one thing is that they were still playing divisions, like they were playing the schedule that they would have played if there were still divisions. And you know, obviously, that's going to change going forward. Tiebreakers are weird, right? There was that one season that OU, Texas Tech, and Texas had all sort of beat yeah. each other. So they, I guess, used BCS ranking, which was good for Oklahoma. Then a couple of days ago in the World Cup, it it did get avoided by a late goal, but a team almost advanced because they had less yellow cards. Nobody can explain World Cup tiebreakers. (laughs) I will never understand those World Cup tiebreakers. The fair fair play column was almost used. um, And and having less yellow cards was almost the the factor. I got a lot I want to squeeze in, so I'm just going to keep bouncing around. Let's do the committee real quick. It was a weird year uh, because there was such a huge drop-off, it seemed like, after not necessarily drop-off in quality, but drop-off in resume maybe in terms of you were talking more about these two lost teams and uh, there was all these weird situations like, you know, Alabama and Nick Saban on TV talking about point spreads and really pushing for his team to emerge as a fourth. There's Ohio state who had just been blown out at home and didn't play the conference championship game. And they're going to probably get in over USC who had lost the conference championship game. And if I was that snake Lincoln, I would have been arguing, look, man, we never lose that game. If that Caleb, Caleb Williams injury, doesn't happen. You should be you should be judging that game based on before Caleb's injury and after Caleb's injury. I don't know if he ever said that he should have. Uh, either way, did they get it right in the end? I, I know there's just been this like semantical argument this week about best and whatever. I still think at some point in my mind, you have the games that are played have to matter. You know, you can't just say, "Oh, Alabama be favored." They're obviously one of the best for you. Have to put them through. I think at some point you have to say, "You know what? They didn't win the games." You know, I don't know. Yeah, it was kind of sad to see Nick Saban groveling like that. Yeah, that's he just above, didn't, he didn't have an that. argument. Yeah, he's above. He's got to do what he's got to do, but he just didn't have an argument. Sure, um, Ohio State at least has a big win on their schedule at Penn State, who ended up in the top ten. Um, you know, I, I don't. I'm not thrilled about you could lose your last game at home to your rival by 22 and and still make it. But they at least had the wins. So Alabama didn't have that. So, I mean, it's actually kind of crazy. They ended up the number five team with such a weak resume over and, Tennessee and, and, too. That's, that's yeah, and not just weak resume. Like yeah. watch them play. They are not. They're they're still better than most. 
but they're not a great team this year. Um, so no, I, I think they got it right. Um, if you, it would have been maybe a different argument to me if USC, if Caleb Williams doesn't get hurt and they lose by a field goal to Utah, I think I would have felt strongly that they should be in ahead of Ohio state. Right. But the thing is their defense was always terrible. Oh, Caleb yeah. mas- masked it once he went down and you saw just how bad their defense was. I mean, I think that more than anything was like, oh, we can't put them in the playoff. Their their defense is terrible. And again, we're bouncing around, but we're here. We're talking about Caleb. And I look at I think I've been watching Oklahoma football like on a week in, weekend basis since Bob Stoops was hired in nineteen ninety nine. And I watched it before then. It was just a different world. Couldn't watch every game in Buffalo like you can now. But in terms of freshman impact, Adrian Peterson is the only one who is better than Caleb Williams. In terms of just one year at the school, I guess Kyler Murray had a better year, but he wasn't a true freshman, right? Caleb Williams, I can't say enough great things about him. I think I might have an NFL team that'll stink next year, and I'm really happy about that. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> if, if your NFL team stinks next year, it's a good year to stink. Um, I mean, I think there's going to be some tanking, don't you? I absolutely do. I think he's special. Now, there's some people who love Drake May. And I'm sure, as is always the case with these things, we'll get closer to it. Like a year from now, people will be like, uh, I think maybe Drake May's better. They're going to want to do like, the contrarians, right? People just want to do right. that for attention. This kid is. Well, it's like Will Levis. Can you explain to me why Will Levis is considered a, a high? Like there, there have been articles suggesting he should go ahead of Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. No, <laughs> no, I, I <laughs> no. mean, it's that's what we do. We, yeah. we, we 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 you know hype them up and then we tear them down. But no, I mean Caleb is to me is like um, I'm not saying this in terms of like body type by any means or but just the impact is very Vince Young esque in terms of he's just gonna carry you like he he was that team he's gonna put the team on his back yeah and lead you to touchdowns and um, you know or, or can maybe Cam Newton's a better example like. Um, a guy who can do both and the escapability, um, you know, just phenomenal. And we'll see next year. He's not, well, we have no idea who their receivers will be, right? He'll, I'm sure Lincoln Riley will go in the portal and, and find some more. But Oh, that snake will find um, someone for sure, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that snake. <laughs> uh, but- it worked out exactly. I mean, what he, the reasons he, whether you believe him or not, the reasons he stated why he was going to go there all played out in the first year. Yeah, oh, hey, it looks pretty, he looks brilliant, right? But he he couldn't close the deal. But I, even someone who hates him as much as I do, will give him that thing. Caleb got hurt, man, or they were going to win that game. I think. I don't know. I, I guess the reason I brought him up was I wanted to ask you about the Heisman. I think he's clearly going to win it. Were you happy with the players invited? Did you think the Tennessee quarterback maybe should have been there? Did it work? Do you th- maybe you think I'm wrong? Do you think it'll be someone other than Caleb? What do you? You think know, about I was just that? talking about that with Bruce on our podcast, and the thing is. There's so many players that you could say deserve to be there. It's not a year where sure. you're, yep. you're struggling for options, right? So whoever showed up as the fourth guy, in this case, Stetson Bennett, people are going to say, oh, it should have been Hennon Hooker. It should have been Bijan Robinson. It should have been Michael Penix. It should have been Blake Corum. It should have been Bryce Young. Like, what happened to Bryce Young? So um, uh, there's there's just a lot of worthy candidates this year. Um, the one who I'm actually... I mean, he was always going to be there, but I would say, what was C.J. Stroud's Heisman moment this year? What did C.J. Stroud do in particular this year that made you like your jaw drop? Right. I would say, you know, 
Hennon Hooker had a lot more of those than he did. Right, and certainly in their biggest game, I, I can't think of a moment in that Michigan game where it happened. When I think back to that Definitely Alabama not. game, I can think of some moments, right, that Hooker really made some great plays in that Alabama game. And that's maybe not fair to do it that way, but just in terms of thinking of mo- if we're, we're singling it out to moments, you want the moments to be in your biggest game. That was probably each team's biggest game. I don't know. but I, I think- It's just impossible these days for to get in if you're not on a playoff team. It's that simple. Sure, sure. Um, Williams is your vote or, or not, or someone different. Uh, I'm not allowed to say, okay. You're not allowed to say fair enough. Um, where do I want to go from there? Let's talk about the playoff itself. Um, do you think that obviously this is Georgia's to lose? I think everyone would sort of say that. Um, do you think Michigan can do better this year? Do you think the big 12 representative can do better this year? Um, do you think, what do you think about the playoff in general? Do you think Ohio state can make people, you know, people look bad for questioning their spot there? What, what do you think about the playoff in general? Yeah. I mean, I think Georgia is the, definitely the class of the, of the, of the season. Um, but it's all about matchups. And so, I mean, sure. I think Michigan is a great, great team that doesn't match up well with Georgia. And you saw that in the playoff last year because Jim Harbaugh wants to out-tough you, and he can do that against most teams. He can't do that against Georgia. So that's me. That's not a great matchup. But Ohio State, to me, has a better shot against Georgia because they can throw the ball around. And, you know, you saw they've lost one game in the last two years, and it was in the SEC Championship last year when Bryce Young and Jameson Williams just shredded them. Um, now you got to... Um, if you're Ohio State, you're going to be able to protect C.J. Stroud, if you, which is hard against Georgia. You right. know? But in that, that that's the formula. Yeah. Protect your quarterback and, and throw him it. and those great receivers yeah. and throw the ball on Georgia. And so they have the players to do that. I just don't know if anybody can do that because Tennessee tried that and, and didn't go well. Bo Nix threw for a gazillion yards this year, but against Georgia, struggled mightily. Right. Um, Fell too far you know, behind early too, right? Yeah, so I don't know that there is like a, you know, last year Georgia had Alabama as their foil. I don't know that they they necessarily have that foil in this field. You picking Georgia? I am. Yeah. Um, if they lose, it'll be very much like 2014. You know, nobody gave Ohio State a chance that year either. Right. The sports gets are here with Stuart Mandel, our friend from The Athletic. A few more things and I'll let you go. I said I wanted to cram a lot in. I'm just going to keep going. Deion Sanders. He's going to Colorado. I, I was surprised that there were some people out there maybe surprised about that or disappointed in Dion or something. I some weird reactions out there, but I think great for him. I, I loved his press conference. I thought it was amazing. Or not the press conference, the, the meeting he had with the team. I thought it was great. I didn't realize they had only won one game. I knew they were bad, but when you don't think about a team, I guess I didn't realize they were that bad. Nowhere to go but up. He's bringing his baggage, his baggage. His luggage, his luggage seems to be good, maybe great. What do you think about this? Do you think he can uh, make a big impact there? Do you think he can? He's bring the perfect the coach. Back? Yeah, yeah. He's the perfect coach at the perfect time for that program. Sure. That program has been so has been completely irrelevant for twenty years and terrible the past couple years. And you know, when I've talked to former Colorado players, they just were so beaten down and so felt so hopeless. And then in one fell swoop, they are ecstatic um you know he brings he he is going to have people paying attention to colorado football 
which I don't know if there's any other coach that they realistically could have gotten that I would say that about. So how he'll do on the field, I have no idea. But he's going to be able to recruit like crazy. If you watch the video of him talking to the team. Oh, so good. He's just yeah. – he, He's unlike any other coach in, that's ever come through college football. He, people are mesmerized by him. So I have no doubt he's going to bring in five-star recruits to Colorado. Yeah, I have no doubt that like some of the best transfers in the country this year are going to want to go to Colorado. And so from a talent standpoint, they are going to get a lot better. Yeah, I, I don't think it's overstating it to think that he has the potential to be like the best recruiter ever. You know what I mean? I, I just yeah. think he's oh, got... I agree. Yeah, I just... I think he's got everything in his toolbox to dazzle recruits. You know, his his own resume, you know, his charisma, you know, I just think and it, and, and and if he proved it with the players he was bringing to the school he was at, and that's not to say anything disparaging about the school he was at, just wasn't typically a place where the number 1 overall recruit would go. But Dion pulled that off. I don't see why he couldn't do that and more at Colorado. A uh, couple more quick ones. Give me two or three bowl games, not in the playoff, that you're excited to watch. Some good ones. The Orange Bowl. Um, sure, wish Hen and Hooker was playing in it, but right. you know, obviously, this is Tennessee's best season in a long, long time, and they're going to be playing against one of the best programs in the country from the last seven or eight years. I think it's a really exciting moment for them, um, and a chance for Cle- similarly a chance for Clemson who everybody's saying is falling apart, uh, even though they're 11-2, and two, to kind of reassert themselves against uh, a top-level SEC team. Um, going a little bit further down the totem pole, um, Texas versus Washington in the Alamo Bowl. Michael Penix has been phenomenal this season, and I get the sense that nobody east of the Rockies has seen him. So, sure. um, you know, showcase opportunity. I doubt B. John Robinson will play in the game, but if he did, that would be, you know, make it that much better. The uh, I don't want to play in the bowl game thing seems to be growing, and I understand people protecting their value, and I, I'm not criticizing a kid for doing it. Do you think, though, that maybe the pendulum has swung too far to the these games don't matter thing that players are maybe losing sight of what value bowl games could have to their career and to their prospects going forward? Um, I don't think so because there's no evidence to suggest – Right, like you've seen tons and tons of guys now opt out, and it doesn't affect their draft stat stock. Like the two Ohio State receivers who skipped the Rose Bowl, sure, were still top fifteen picks. Right, um, you know, I don't know that the NFL really cares one way or the other. Um, I do think there's a missed opportunity, and maybe this will get corrected here soon. You know, with NIL being a thing now, um, imagine if, for instance, the Alma Bowl could pay uh, B. John Robinson an appearance fee to play in the game. That is not allowed within the NIL NCAA rules. Okay. But that might keep some of those guys, star players in the game, right, if you if they were being paid to play in it. So I'll be interested to see if maybe they relax that rule at some point. And then, of course, also, this is not the only reason, but this, is, this issue is a big reason why we're going to a 12-team playoff. People right. saw what's happening to the bowl games and – the Rose Bowl is so devalued that, that Ohio State players were going to s- skip out on it. So at least six bowls now are going to be playoff games, which, you know, never say never about a player opting out of the playoff, but it's going to be a lot less likely. Sure. And and people have pointed to the Ohio State player, but he, that's more an injury issue, not necessarily opting out of the uh, 
the playoffs, right? I mean, he's just injured. Well, you know, this year's guy. Yeah, yeah this year's guy. Jackson yeah. Smith. Yeah. yeah, he's just injured. But yeah. last year you had Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave uh, opt out of the Rose Bowl against Utah. Right, 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 right. And like you said, both were high picks, and both have great, great rookie years in the NFL. And I don't think I meant as much about saying to them, oh, this is going to hurt you if you opt out. I think maybe the other way, is there an opportunity to say to players, you know, there really is value, though, to you if you're not the top 15 pick guy like an Olave, because we're seeing more and more people down the line opting out of these games. You know, I I wonder if there's a there's a, um, like a chance to, to showcase yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be inter- it would be. I don't. I hadn't thought of that. It would be interesting to look back at the last couple of years drafts and see if there's a guy who where a where a huge bowl performance kind of boosted his his stock. I'm sure it's happened. Sure. All right, last thing. I'll get you out of here on this. Uh, the transfer portal, man, what a what a pop, what a what a. I mean, it, what an emergence it's had the last five years. I mean, the amount of people that go into this last thing, five years. Yeah. How about the last eighteen months? Sure, fair enough, right? I mean, it, my I feel like my head is just oh this guy's in oh this guy's in oh this unbelievable. What a couple of things and you could take it as you want. We don't have all day, which I'm sure we could maybe someday over the off season, I'll call you and let's just do all day on the transfer portal. Cause I think it's an interesting topic that I, I'd like to learn more about, but give me a guy or two who's going to have the most impact that's in it. And then also just as we get to learn more and more about it, is it having a positive, a negative, a neutral impact on the sport? And, and where do you see it going? What's your projection for the portal? Well, I think it's hard not to, it's hard to, when you talk about impact guys, you know, you naturally gravitate toward the quarterbacks. Sure. And, you know, I was very surprised to see Spencer Sanders from Oklahoma State go in there. Um, Four year starter. I believe he was the 2021 20, Big 12 player of the year or offensive player of the year. Um, that's going to be a big pickup for somebody. Um, Brandon Armstrong from Virginia had a bad year this year uh, after the coaching change, but, but the year before, I believe he had 4,600 yards. I think he would be great, although he might just end up following his old coaches to Syracuse. And then Devin Leary from NC State, I believe, was the preseason first-team All-ACC quarterback. He got hurt pretty maybe four or five games in the season and missed the rest of the year. But he's very talented. And so these are guys who can have like that. You know, you look at this year, the impact that Penix and Bo Nix and Jaden Daniels had. Like, those could be those guys next year. In terms of the transfer portal, as you know, it's not going away. I mean, right. You know, it, it is what it's going to be here. Is there a better way to do it? You know, I mean, the coaches were the ones who wanted there to be these specific windows so that it wasn't a year round thing. And I, I, I will be curious to hear in a couple of weeks if they think maybe that was a bad idea because, mm-hmm. you know, the timing of this, the season, just regular season, just ended the cushion carousel is going on early signing days coming up. And oh, by the way, a thousand players have entered the portal in the last three days. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Literally a thousand players. It sounds so, like an exaggeration, but it's not. <laughs> no, a thousand players. Yeah. So um, I don't know if that's the right way to do it or not. That will have to be discussed. Um, and then, of course, there's the fact that it's so closely intertwined with NIL. And I mean, right. schools are flat out out there uh, buying, recru- buying. buying transfer kids. Yeah. Um, but. Again, that's where, you know, the NCAA is just uh, – anybody who still thinks the NCAA is going to step in and do something about NIL, I mean, how would you even begin to uh, to regulate that? So 
I think it's one of those things where it's very shocking and jolting right now. Give it a couple years and it'll feel normal. Yeah. I also think that part of that will be that the number of kids who transfer will go down, not up. Because a lot of them are going to see their friends and their teammates go into the portal and, not and have nowhere. Out. Right. Well, not just work. Like, they might not be. Like, like the guys I just mentioned, obviously, will have suitors. But there's going to be a lot of kids further down the, the, the list that are going to the portal only to find out that there's nobody offering them on the other side. So I think after a couple of years of seeing that, it will probably discourage uh, some guys from, from entering a portal. Sure. And, and let, like, fair is fair. You know, like if a snake like Lincoln Riley can break all those promises and leave in the middle of the night to go to USC, there's no reason the players shouldn't have the same opportunity. JT Daniels, this is going to be what, his fifth school or whatever? Hey, you know, all the power to him, I guess. Um, that's that. All right. I had a ton of things on my list. We got to a bunch of them. Uh, but here's the good news. Uh, Stewart appears other places and, uh, and he, and I've said this and people think I'm sucking up, but I'm not, I'm being honest. Uh, the athletic is the absolute pinnacle of college football coverage. The athletic was built to cover things like college football and college basketball with its depth of beat writers and its national coverage, which is outstanding. You can follow Stewart's work, his podcast, the articles, his mailbag, which I read before I, I got him on the line. Um, it's endless stuff. Do you want to be more specific about the plugs in any way? I'm sure there's sales for the holidays right now that are going on because there's always a great way uh, to to opt into the athletic at a reasonable price. Anything you want to mention specifically in terms of your plugs? Um, because I believe strongly that uh, your work needs I, to yeah, be seen. Yeah, I can't keep up with all the various promos, so I would <laughs> just say that they're out there. You know, they're out there. Even if you're not getting a promo, yeah. it's it's worth it. Six yeah. bucks a month. Yeah. For not just college football, you right. know, the you best coverage in the country of every major sport uh, of the World Cup right now. Nobody's sure. covering the World Cup as well as the athletic. Um, the transfer portal, Max Olson is, well, he, we jokingly call it the portal authority. Um, you know, it, it's, you name it, we have it covered. So um, I just went to Starbucks this morning and bought a, a kind of a, I don't know, it's a, trip, it's a triple shot soy latte. Ooh. And it costs more than a month of of the athletic. That Imagine one drink. that. Put that in perspective. Yeah. Yeah, and it's you. You, you drank it in ten minutes. The athletic you have all month. And <laughs> That's all a good year, point. And all year. Listen, I, I I am being sincere. I love it. I love the work you guys do. Thanks for another year of it. Thanks for coming on again. You've always been good to me. Almost twelve years in a row now. I appreciate that. Great. And, and you know, I'll be blowing you up uh, this summer to uh, to continue our tradition of. Uh, previewing the season the way we always do. But I appreciate you coming in now. I know it's a busy time. Thanks, Steve. All right, have a good holiday. You too. I want to thank Stuart Mandel and Andrew Marchand for being on the show today. Don't forget, you can find this episode and all episodes of the Sportscasters podcast on our SoundCloud page at soundcloud.com slash sports-casters. You can find us on Twitter at sports underscore casters or email me, the sportscasters at gmail.com. Don't forget about my other show, the 24-inch podcast at 24-inch podcast 
on Twitter, 24inchpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook and Instagram as well. We have a new episode of that coming out this week. We recorded it last night, Dave and I. It's about the December 23rd, 1986 episode of Primetime Wrestling, which features a Hulk Hogan match with Hercules from Saturday Night's Main Event a couple weeks before. Speaking of wrestling, you're looking for good wrestling talk. No, Look no further than Greetings from Allentown at GF Allentown Pod on Twitter for more information. The show, of course, now greeting from Allentown Live uh, with Keithy. Uh, and for Colorado Avalanche hockey coverage unparalleled, coloradohockeynow.com at adater on Twitter for more information on that. All right. Before we get into one last thing, I want to take a second. Um, tragedy obviously struck at the World Cup uh, this week when Grant Wall, the longtime sports writer, passed away in Qatar during the Argentina-Netherlands game. I want to tell you a story about Grant Wall. And if you are on Twitter and you scrolled through that night or the next day or since, you will see the outpouring of love uh, from people for Grant. And here's my Grant story. Uh, He was on the show years ago when Mario Balotelli was on the, uh, the cover of Sports Illustrated. And we talked about Italian soccer. And we talked about that cover and we talked about whatever event was near and it was great. And he came on again sometime after that and it was great. And then earlier this year in between my surgery in February and the infection that took me out and almost killed me in March, I was going to try to put a podcast up. And I did an interview with Richard Deitch and I did an interview with Grant Wall. And this is before Italy had lost in the playoff to North Macedonia and I had him rolling. I was ranting and raving about them not qualifying, having to go to the playoff. He was laughing. We had a great time. It was a great interview. And uh, I was excited to put it up. Then, of course, I got an infection. It never went up. And when I got back home, I reached out to him to explain why it hadn't been up. And he said, oh, no problem. You know, I totally understand. Man, I hope you feel better. When you feel better, give me a call. And we'll, we'll, do, we'll do it again. Okay. Uh, sometime before the World Cup, a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month ago, I reached out again, said, hey, I'd love to have you on and talk about the World Cup. And he said, I'll totally do it. I'm super busy, but I can give you a half hour, which was probably all I was going to ask for anyway. And I said, look, I know you're busy. No problem. Why don't we do it when you get back? And uh, we can we can recap it. You can tell me what it was like in Qatar, all that. And he said, no problem. I'll give you as much time as you need. You know, thanks for understanding. And that's just kind of the guy he was. Look, at this show is nothing important. It only exists because I say it does. It only comes out because I say it does. And uh, one day if I don't say it does anymore, it won't. And no one will remember and no one will care. And I look at it. That's nothing but the truth. Uh, but Grant Wall is one of those guys who, who made me feel like it really matters a lot. Um, he was great to me when he came on this show. Uh, and he was great to me when we interacted off the show. And I was very, very sad to learn about his passing. Uh, and I hope he rests in peace. My prayers are with his family. Uh, my prayers are for him. Uh, and he will be uh, greatly missed. All right, one last thing before we end this show today. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about Christmas traditions. And I maybe kind of talked about this before, but no big deal. We can talk about it again. Everybody grows up, and maybe it's not Christmas, maybe it's Hanukkah or something else you celebrate. But Whatever holiday it is, everyone grows up with their the traditions in their family that matter to them, whether it be uh, opening one gift from 
everybody on the 23rd or something you do on Christmas Eve or something you eat or something you buy or a gift exchange or a game you play or decorations you put on the tree and where you put them on the tree or I've heard millions of things. One thing I didn't grow up with as a tradition was Elf on the Shelf. It didn't exist. I didn't care for it. Uh, But when Paula was maybe one years old, Tammy bought one and said, we got to do Elf on the Shelf for Paula. And I thought I hated the idea. I hated it. I didn't want to do it. It wasn't my tradition. I didn't care about it. Uh, And then you start doing it and you realize how much Paula cares about it. And I have this video on my phone that I watch every time the Elf on the Shelf frustrates me. Of her, she's two years old. She's looking for the elf. I'm recording. She can't find it. She's walking around. I I, I kind of guide her to look where it is. She sees it and she just starts laughing and clapping. And she's so happy. Just pure happiness. It's one of my favorite videos on my phone. I'm sure everybody's got this video on your phone. When you need something, you go to it. It's one of those videos. And... It made me realize that just because it wasn't my tradition doesn't mean that it can't be our tradition, our being Tammy and Paula and I. And there's been a lot of things like that over the years as a parent that didn't matter to me when I was a kid, but matter to me now because as a parent, they matter to Paula and Paula's joy and happiness are now my joy and happiness and nothing makes me happier than her happiness. Uh, and that's a good example of it. Another thing is, is this past weekend, uh, Tammy, Paula, myself, my brother Greg, his wife Laura, his kids Gregory and Willow, and my mother uh, took a train to the North Pole. And we had done this one other time uh, before Paula's first Christmas, so she wasn't even one yet. Uh, and it was a different version of it, and it was okay, but not great. Uh, but man, we had a great time this weekend doing it. We drove up to Medina which is north, even further north than I am in Buffalo. And uh, we went up there and and we got these, they give you these tickets and you get on the train and you go for a train ride and they give you hot chocolate and they give you a cookie and Santa comes on the train and he ho-ho-hos and he gets the kids all excited and then you get to the North Pole and you drop Santa off so he can do his work and then you, you, you drive back to the train and it's just such a good time. And my brother and I were watching the France-England game and the kids were goofing and laughing and singing and it was so great and then when we got back we took them out we all went out to dinner and we just had such a great day and for someone who's had a bad year and you know what this started for me on Christmas last year Uh, the illness that eventually really blew up at the last week of January it started on Christmas I was really sick on Christmas last year and I got through the 24th I didn't get through the 25th and to me, as looking back, it's like Christmas was taken from me last year. So I've been looking forward this year uh, to kind of taking Christmas back, if you know what I mean, getting back what I lost. Uh, and Saturday was such a great step in that direction. And I had so much fun uh, with my brother and his kids, my niece and my nephew and my daughter, my sister-in-law, my mother, everyone. Tammy, we had such a great day. It was everything that matters about Christmas, right? Family and kids and laughter and tradition. And I I hope that becomes a new tradition. Maybe not every year. Maybe we do it every other year, whatever. Uh, But it was special to me. It was a special day. It's a great day uh, to be with family. 
and uh, the Elf in the Shelf, like I mentioned, and just other things we do. Paula's really into calendars, countdown calendars, and you know, every day she's got to find her elf. She's got to open this calendar, open that calendar, move this day, move that day, and it's really just the best time of the year. It's the best damn time of the year, and I'm so grateful uh, that I'm healthy. That I'm healthy this year because I was not last year. I was already grinding. I already knew what was ahead of me. Um, I was doing the best I could to shake it off. I was hoping for the best. Maybe I'm wrong, but I knew. I knew it was coming. I knew where I would end up. I knew how difficult it was going to be. Maybe not that difficult, but I knew. I knew. Uh, but I'm getting it back this year. And thanks to a lot of people who listen to this show. I'm getting it back. I'm, uh, I'm uh, feeling better. And things are great here. You know, Paul is just a joy. I don't know if what I've done right, maybe I've done everything wrong, but I take pride and joy in knowing I did that. I got that right. You know, I got that right. She's just the most beautiful, precious, lovable little girl. We were at her banquet for her cheerleading and uh, she won an award. Everyone won an award. You know, she every kid got an award. But when she was winning hers, I just heard my mom say, like, oh, what a joy she is. You know, and that's Paula, such a joy. And I couldn't have done it alone, right? Tammy definitely probably gets most of the credit. Certainly, she's beautiful because Tammy is. And uh, she's just so sweet, and she doesn't get that from me because I don't think anyone ever say I'm sweet. Uh, but she is such a joy. And Christmas time is such a joy because of her. And I guess if I'm saying anything, it's just don't be resistant to new traditions because sometimes you find the new ones are just as good or even better than the old ones. I hope everyone's having a great Christmas. One more show this year. We'll do one more from Hell or High Water. We'll do a season finale. 24-inch podcast this week as well. Thank you so much for listening. Talk to everybody soon. Take that.